Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 133, the priesthood of every believer. You can find that at the website CICministry.org. Now, today we're going to talk about the sixth function of the biblical priesthood, and that is to pray for others. And this is one that really seems like it should be so simple, and yet it has gotten really confused throughout church history. So mm-hmm. why don't you just define this as it's a part of the biblical priesthood, and we can discuss from there. In the bigger context, we have Jesus Christ, the one high priest, as we've been saying, and the priesthood of every believer. And since the one high priest, Jesus Christ, sits at the right hand of God, sent on high, according to Acts and Hebrews and elsewhere, in fulfillment of Psalm 110 and verse 1, we realize that by faith, every one of us can go directly to Christ and pray and trust him. And we can also pray for one another because in the church, we're part of the family of God and we don't need some unique, special priest beyond the priesthood of every believer to be between us and God who somehow can get something done that we can't because God only hears the holy man. Right. I like how you say this in your article. You say, Pagans uniformly have holy men who supposedly can mediate between the world of the spirits and their subjects. Those who think like pagans think that there are holy people in the church whose prayers will do some good, unlike the prayers of ordinary Christians. Oh, yes. And don't think for a moment that evangelicalism is immune from this. We're not. And we were saying before we started recording, one of the things we hear a lot through CIC is we need a, somebody needs a mighty man of God to pray for them or a mighty man of God to deliver them. The, this idea that we all have equal access is really foreign to a lot of people. Yes, in the bigger context of the scriptures in the New Testament, the priesthood of every believer means that We have different gifts, but we need one another. We pray for one another, and we trust him. And God hears us, not because we're more righteous than some other believer, but because God is merciful and loving, and he put us into his family, and he hears us. Amen. We have what we need. We we just need to know that and rest in those promises. Well, if you... Remove the idea that somebody has the secret to getting their prayers answered that they discovered. If you remove that whole genre from Christian bookstores, there wouldn't be a lot of books sold. That's true. We are, after this series is done, going to have a series on prayer where we can talk more about this. But the idea is, I think, for a lot of people that prayer is manipulating the outcome when we really need to look at it as prayer is aligning our hearts and our thoughts with God's will. It, it really is thy will be done, not let me tell you how to do this. Yes, and we'll be talking about that. But in the context of the Reformation, these 
various aspects of the priesthood of every believer were arrogated to the leadership. They arrogated to themselves their role. If you don't come to us, and the higher you go up the ladder of holy people, including even people in heaven, supposedly, right, then right. you're really going to get somewhere. Okay. Wow. And so if you're outside of that system, remember we're talking about the Bohemians who had asked Luther what they're going to do now that they're not part of this hierarchy. And the scriptures are answered. Yeah. It's, and it's, so if somebody convinces others that when they pray, God hears them because they're more pious than others, then they'll flock to that person who somehow has the secret. That's right. And so what was Luther's answer to the Bohemians? The priest said, a very believer, you can go directly to God. That's right. Another. Yes. You point out in your article that that Luther mentioned that the Lord's Prayer was given to all Christians, not certain higher order ones, not priests, not popes, not bishops. It was given to all Christians. Yes. And at one time we did, I kind of did a walkthrough of the Lord's Prayer in one of our uh, podcasts. Yes. Right. And the content of it is quite different than what most people understand. And we've talked about that. And we're really praying for the return of Christ and praying for the provisions we need. Right. And so the Lord's Prayer was given to the church, not given to the Pope. Okay. That's true. And we need to take that seriously. God has given us what we need. We don't need to turn to higher church authorities. Either... There's two things that people are looking for. One is authority and there, this hierarchy that claims to speak for God beyond scripture. That's one place they look. So if you have more authority, then you can say things or you can say that somebody's sins are forgiven and that's going to hold until they get out the door and then they sin again. That's right. a common idea. Or the other one is superior piety. Okay. And yes, that is a very big trap. That's the trap that evangelicals tend to fall into. We, yes. we aren't really looking for a pope to solve our problems, but, but pietism can really shipwreck your faith. Yes, and this goes on even in recent history. One article I wrote some decades ago, there was a popular book called The Prayer of Jabez. Okay, yeah. That can be found if you go to the CICministry.org and look for Jabez. Yeah. And it was a person in the Old Testament who prayed and one person, popular evangelical at the time, wrote a booklet on that and sold so many millions of books. He was going to go over to Africa and somehow Christianize a certain country. Okay. It never really happened. It fell flat. Yeah. Um, there's so much pious, hyper-pious, super-spirituality, thinking that the reason the millennium hasn't come to America or the reason everything isn't what we want it to be is that we're not pious enough. Wow. 
And we hear that all the time. Did you, and did you pray enough? And did you fast first? And did you do all these things as, as if there's some hidden secret of how we need to pray in order to get the outcome that we want? Yes. It's either revealed or it's not revealed. Right. And what's revealed is the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 16. What's revealed is that he has given us the privilege of coming to that throne of grace and to say prayers and to pray for the sort of things the Bible tells us to and to bring our needs to him and that he hears us because we're his people. Yes. Amen. Yes. And so if you want to look at this in a simple way, the father gives good gifts to his children. And do you really believe that once Jesus Christ died for sins once for all, was raised on the third day, he provided propitiation and expiation of sins and ascended to heaven as he said he would before witnesses. And he's at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we ask him and an ordinary human father would not say, well, you didn't quite say the right word in the right order to the right person. So you're not going to get anything. Right. We it wouldn't do it. No. Because uh, this is God the Son at the right hand of God on high, the Father, who gives us gifts and cares for us. And it's not based on saying the right word, knowing the right secret, saying it enough times. Don't pray like the pagans, thinking they'll be known for their many words. But the Lord delights to care for us. And the people that would arrogate their own power, authority, and piety say, I know the secret. And then they tell these stories proving that they get what they want because they know how to do it right and they have more faith than you do. Yeah. So, and we need to keep in mind that people's experiences and, and these stories that they tell, that's not the word of God. We, there, there could be a lot of reasons for different outcomes, but if we want to know what God has said about prayer, we need to look to his word and believe what it says. We don't need miracle experience stories to learn about prayer. Yes, and actually, in Luther's day, there were so many barriers. And the one thing that they weren't confident of was forgiveness of sins that was accomplished for believers once for all by Christ who died for sins. Right. So you have this whole system where people have to keep going back, keep giving keep saying certain things, keep going back again. And I've heard people even to this day who are very burdened about maybe lack of assurance or they want to be right with God, but they assume that the Roman Catholic Church speaks for God. And there are people who will actually go to Mass every single day to show how pious they are or serious they are. Wow. And, and I hear that even on television news. Right. I hear that from people that we run into who have relatives. I really, really need help. So I'm going to mass every day. 
Wow. And You're hoping you'll get God's notice. It's sad because if they knew the truth, if they knew forgiveness of sins, and if they knew the love of God and the hope that we have, they wouldn't end up in that position where they have to keep hoping that somebody has more piety than they do, or the priest somehow can have some status that we don't have. And that is not right. And evangelicals and various groups, whether they're holiness groups or Pentecostal groups or charismatic groups, whatever kind of group we may be in, we need to resist the urge to look for somebody who knows something we don't have, had experience that we don't have, have some superior understanding of how to tell God what to do, and we'll, we'll show that in our next series, and really get back to the very basic thing. He hears us. He loves us. He cares for us. And that is what Luther was telling the Bohemians. You can go to God. Yeah, the article says, as Luther points out, the Lord's Prayer was given to all Christians. So if we're all commanded to pray, and we're all told to pray, and we're all promised that he'll hear us, all are equally commanded to function as priests. We are, in this article, identifying seven functions of the biblical priesthood. So just as a, just a quick review, we have the first one was the ministry of the word. Second one was baptism. Third one was communion. Fourth one was binding and loosing. Fifth was to offer sacrifice. The sixth is to pray for others. And we will be back to talk about to judge doctrine. But those are the functions of a biblical priesthood. And we are making the case that these apply to every believer. Every believer is a priest to God. Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. And, and one more thing I want to say about this, because when I wrote this article some years ago, people said, well, that's just Luther had his own flaws, and Luther was like this or like that, which we acknowledge. We're not claiming Luther was an apostle. Right. Yet if what he said was biblical, then that's what makes it true and binding. So in, in everything, we go to Scripture, but we're going to Scripture and examining how at the time of the Reformation, which is a huge thing, to go against what the trends of church history for centuries and say, this isn't right. How is it that I can't find forgiveness of sins? How is it that I have to pay for all these things? And as we cited before, control the money pouches of all the earth, this false priesthood. And so if we can go to scripture, that's true. And we're doing that. That is not saying Luther never uttered anything wrong. That's right. We are showing that on this topic, what he said can be found in scripture and can be defended from scripture. Therefore, it's right. Not because yes. he said it, but because scripture says it. Right. And there, someone asked why these seven? Well, those are the things that either the teaching magisterium or the Pope or the cardinals or the archbishops, whoever, however it goes down the, the line, 
that is not a biblical setup. That's not the church. And these things they claimed, and we can go directly to Scripture and know what God said and pray for one another. And this isn't anarchy. This is just going back to the basic view of the church taught in the New Testament. Right. And so these really are precious promises that we can cling to. We don't need to go find the mighty man of God. We can approach the throne of grace, you know, boldly, boldly go before the throne of grace on our own, and we can know that God hears us. Yes, Hebrews 4.16. And if you understand the holiness of God, if you understand the day of atonement that was functioning, if you understand what happened under Moses, going boldly to the throne should be an amazing thing to even say, because that's not what would happen. There was a fear that if you didn't do everything right and you went in on that Day of Atonement, that might be the end. Right. This, that was a serious, very serious thing. Right. And so you didn't say, well, let's just see what's going on here and uh, barge into the holiest place, the Holy of Holies, because you wouldn't survive if you didn't follow the, the instructions that were given to Moses and ultimately is fulfilled in Christ. Yes. So that is a wonderful thing. Now, that doesn't mean we don't acknowledge the holiness of God and that we need to fear God and trust him by faith, but that we can actually go directly with our concerns and needs to God through Jesus Christ, God the Son, and that he hears us and cares for us. Right. Now, you say in your article, this truth is rather straightforward, but remains a good reminder. We all have access to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. We are all commanded to pray, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Furthermore, we are told to pray for one another. Then you mm-hmm. go on to cite James 5.16, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we not only have the promises that we can, we have the command to do this, to pray for one another. Yes, and Christian gatherings include prayers and prayers that are honoring to God. And we're thankful. And we're thankful that God gives us time to to be on his green earth before the day of judgment as we're in the church age and to preach the gospel and to gather and to be thankful for our daily provision and to pray for the needs that each person has. And the issue isn't that somebody knows how to get their prayers answered, but that we acknowledge we need one another. Amen. We do need one another. And we're living in a very perilous times right now. I acknowledge that the entire church age has been perilous, but as we're recording this right now, there's a war going on and our nation's in trouble and people are in fear and there's been a pandemic. This isn't unique during the church age, but it's unique to a lot of younger people. It is. Having experienced it here, we're in America and this 
maybe heard elsewhere. And people are needing to know they can have forgiveness of sins and that God hears them. And Christians need to gather, even if they're persecuted, they can gather if there's more than one of them and pray for each other. That's right. So in this James 5.16, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, we hit on pietism a little bit earlier in this episode, but that kind of seems to be the one verse that really trips people up. Who is the righteous man? Who is the prayer of the righteous man that avails much? There's examples in there of people in the past like Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet from God. God heard him. Let me just read the context here. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Verse 18, then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And so in that case, Elijah was a prophet that is acknowledged as such, and God used him in that situation. But the emphasis isn't, well, if we only had an Elijah, we'd be okay. Okay. The emphasis is a nature like ours. Yes. And our our righteousness, any righteous man is righteous because he's in Christ. Our righteousness is Christ's righteousness, which is more than Elijah's righteousness. So right. if we are in Christ, we have his righteousness and we are the righteous man who can pray. Yes, and the, the, the difference between Elijah and us is that he was sent for by God for a specific task. And we are the result of God's work of salvation history leading all the way up through John the Baptist, who was like Elijah, the Elijah figure, prophesied in Malachi 3.1. And then John the Baptist fulfilling that, pointing to Christ. But the difference is that we're in Christ. And the fact that we aren't perfected doesn't mean God can't use us. Right. Now, just a quick question for you, because I think if I were just hearing this and thinking this all through and looking at the context in James, my question would be, Well, what about the verse where it says to go to the elders for prayer? Verse 14. Yes. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. How does that fit into this? Well, this is uh, acknowledging that under the new covenant that we're in, the authorities in the church are not some grand hierarchy but it's elders. Right. Okay, so if you look in Acts chapter 20, Paul addressed the leadership in Ephesus there. And in the same context, we have presbyteros, okay, episcopos, and then the word for sheep or shepherd or shepherd in different forms, all addressed to the same people. Okay. So you're 
episcopos and uh, episcopal would mean the same thing as presbyteros, presbyters, and their role is to care for the flock. Okay. So we've said for as long as I've been writing the, this material, there are no authoritative apostles and prophets beyond those of the biblical times and Christ and his apostles. Okay. Okay. So we wrote about the new apostolic reformation and other things. So what you have in the local church are elders. Yes. Now, James is telling us, the half-brother of the Lord, by the way, wrote James, that that simple thing is what we have. This is not an absolute claim that everyone who ever went to the elders for prayer would never walk away sick. Right. Because that's taken totally out of context. What we are promised is the resurrection from the dead, but God does heal the sick. He sure does. I'm here because he's done so in ways that are unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So what about the oil? Well, the oil would signify that every believer is anointed. Okay. There's an article in stacministry.org. Go to the search box. Start with the home page. It's the easy way to find things. Search box, the anointing in the Christian. Okay. I can't remember. A long time ago, I wrote about that. Um, a Christ, how Christos is the anointed one. Okay. He's the okay. uniquely anointed one. But we have an anointing, anointing. The false antichrist is a false anointed one. So what we have is the Holy Spirit has been poured out Everyone who comes to Christ by faith is born of the Spirit, and we are anointed. The elders in the church are the people who are caring for the flock. And so the oil, in my opinion, and I haven't studied this probably since the 80s, but the fact is, and I've read it many times, but I haven't gone through the Greek just recently on that one. But the anointing of oil would signify that every believer is anointed by the spirit and we're under the elders who are not claiming any grand status, but it's what he's given us to go do. Right. Okay. It's very simple and it doesn't even require oil. Okay. It requires prayer. Right. And I'll look at more of that because uh, we're, I've got a new commentary on, on the Greek of James and I'm going back through it because we're holding a little Bible study here where my wife is. Yes. And so I have better resources on James, but just take it for the simple truth that it is. Go to the elders, be prayed for, trust him. Don't make grandiose claims and God will do a work in your life. Amen. And you know, that's, just thinking back over the years, you know, how many times has somebody gone forward for prayer from the elders? And then here comes another person and another person and another person and church is wrapping up and here's half the congregation standing there praying for a dear brother or sister. We need that. And it's as much a blessing for us who are praying for our brother and sister in Christ as it is for them. We need the body. We need to pray yeah. together. 
We need to be a blessing to one another. We need to bear, bear one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's more, it's even more than just going to the elders for prayer. It's allowing the body of Christ. It's allowing your church family to suffer with you and to pray with you and to bear your burdens. And here's me tearing up, but my own family in this last couple months has had some really hard times and our church has blessed us in so many ways. I can't imagine going through some of these things without them. Well, yes. And I'm a part of the same family and frankly, we need one another and there's no one who's going to be healed and healed and healed and healed and live to be 120 or past there. 120 is the limit given right. in the Old Testament. But the real hope is eternal life. Amen. It is. And the resurrection from the dead. And the, frankly, what is appalling is that through so much of church history, people's hurts and their needs and their tragedies and their difficulties have been turned into an opportunity for them to be preyed upon with an E, not A, preyed upon by wolves who take advantage of it. That is so sad. And it's so abusive to the flock. It's it's just not what God has ordained. Not the point isn't whether you have uh, how many elders or how many people or how, how many are gathered, but we're confessing our need. It's like asking for wisdom. We're telling God we don't have it. Right. And some prophet doesn't come and say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt do this. And so we really do need simple, basic prayer for one another. When James was written, there were people gathering probably Jewish believers, and uh, as James has written, and this is what they could do. Yes. Because they were soon to be cut off from temple Judaism altogether. That's true. So the high priest went away in the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, and the gatherings that Christians have are more along the lines of the synagogue than the temple. Right. And so thank you for sharing, Jessica, how this, the needs that we have, we just simply bring them to God and pray for one another. It's not that the uh, certain elders are more pious than other elders or have better success rate. It's the admission that we need one another and we care for one another. And he cares for us. Amen. Amen. What a, what a precious promise. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.